0: The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Well, at Doxa, we're in the middle of renewing our focus on mission. Um, And that's really in response to this whole... Uh, kind of thing that we felt this past summer is that, you know, we we talk about mission. It's one of the four things on the banners behind us. It's part of the DNA of who we are. We said we don't know what we're going to be in the future, but we do know that what we're going to be about is Jesus, worship, community, and mission. And uh, this summer, we felt really convicted that, hey... um uh, what about that whole mission thing that you talk about that you say that you're about? like are you really actually committed to the outward mission of the church? And our response were like, man, with something that we we've, we think about, we say, but our lives don't actually reflect that and so we're in a in a season where we're trying to align ourselves and refresh ourselves and even have a, a season of personally and as a church to repent and say, "Hey, Lord, would you forgive us for not caring about?" your mission the way that you do, and would you help us to care about it the way that you do going forward? And as a part of that whole process, we're in the middle or the third week of a four-week series on uh, John 10, particularly verse 16, where we're we're looking at Jesus' heart for his mission, God's heart for this, his mission. The, verse 16, let, let's look at that together again. If you have your Bible, uh, you can look at just verse 16 of John chapter 10. Jesus said, and I have other sheep. That's so he's talking to his sheep. He's talking to the Jews, and he's also talking to his particular disciples that are already with him. They've been following him. And he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold or, or this flock or this safe Place where you keep a flock. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. That Jesus, what we saw last week is that Jesus is sharing his great heart here. This is Jesus' great heart. It's the reason that Jesus left a Perfect communion with the Father and came to earth. It's the reason that Jesus, God, took on flesh and became a, what we call the incarnate God man or the, or the Jesus man. He became God, took on flesh, and became a human like you and me and experienced what life is for a human being. For this purpose, because his great heart was a heart of a missionary. He came, he left where he was and came to us to rescue us or bring us to himself. That's, the, that's why we are celebrating him and singing about him. And every week like we just can't get enough of celebrating Jesus because that's who God is. God shows us his heart to us through Jesus that he came. He left and he came. He left the ease of heaven and he came to us. He came to rescue us at great personal cost to himself. Like it wasn't like just some, some like, Little thing for him, like he took on flesh and then lived a perfect life, suffered a substitutionary death for you and me, and was risen again, raised again by the Father in order to rescue us and bring us his lost sheep back to the Father. That's amazing. That's amazing. That song that if you've heard before, like the most popular Christian song in history, Amazing Grace, that's why it is amazing. Because Jesus left and he came when we didn't have anything going for us. He didn't look at us and say, oh man, you know, You know, like anybody remember, I remember these moments because... Uh, I was always one of the last kids being picked. But you remember that moment when you got to be a captain of a team, like kickball or baseball or football, and you get to pick. You know, everybody's standing there awkwardly, and, and you get to pick. You're like, oh, yes, I want you. You come over here because I know how fast and how good you are. And, and the other guy's like, no, okay, I wanted him, but I'll, I'll take you. And you go back and forth down the pecking order until you left, with, like, me and you know the other kid over there, and somebody's like, all right, I'll you look okay, I'll take you, and then I would go to the last team. Now, that's sort of the, so I remember this, very. it's like very vivid in me. Like Jesus wasn't looking around at earth, at humanity, and saying, oh, man, I got to have them on their team because they are so awesome. He loved us when we were that last kid. We didn't have anything going for us personally. He came and he rescued us. It wasn't always nice to be like one of the. Maybe you guys weren't in that situation, but it was nice to be one of the bad, like one of the unathletic kids, one of the not very gifted kids, and you got picked, but you got picked on the good team. And and like maybe you caught like uh, amazingly, uh, they threw a pass to you and you actually caught it and. Like, maybe you score, you, like you actually contributed to some, to some extent, but your team won, and, and like you couldn't take much credit for it, but man, it felt really good to be on the winning team. That's what it's like to be a child of God. Like, we didn't have anything going for us. He picked us, and He carried us all the way down the field to the finish line. He came to rescue us, He came for us. But you know what? That's, that's encouraging. It's not a down thing, that's encouraging. Because he loved you, you don't have to put put on a mask or pretend that you're any better than you actually are. God knows everything you have ever done that you're doing right now and you ever will do in the future and if you are a child of his, he picked you in spite of all of that. And not only in spite of all that but his sacrifice on your behalf covers you in all of those deficiencies and the scripture tells us that the father sees you and me the way he sees his son, Jesus. That's amazing he came to us to rescue us. Jesus came as a missionary, but then we saw an amazing thing last week is not only did Jesus come as a missionary for us to rescue us, but that he came as the missionary God and then turned around to us his found sheep and said, "Now I'm sending you as missionary sheep. You've been found and now I'm sending you to go out and find the others that are not of this fold. This heart that we see of Jesus, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Jesus always has his heart for the others that have not been brought in yet. The whole picture, the whole story, when, when Jesus told the story about that, which of you, if you have 100 sheep and you have 99 in the fold with one still out missing, you'll go out and you'll find that one. You'll do whatever you have to do to go out and find that one. Jesus, that's the heart of God for the sheep who are outside and he turns around to you and me and says, all right, now you're found. Help me go find these sheep. He turns us into missionary sheep in John 17, 18. And then twenty twenty one, he said to the disciples, I'm sending you just as the father sent me. And that has been echoed down throughout the generations to you and to me as well. That's the same call he gives to all of us who are found and brought into the safety of the fold or the flock. He says, now you go. Just as the Father sent me, so I send you. We call it the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples. It's the last thing Jesus said to his church. Post-resurrection Jesus, so he's in his glorified body. He's been spending days and weeks with his disciples, and now he's ascending to the Father. And the last thing that we have recorded that he says to them is he says this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. and Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What did he say to do? He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all Nations, Jesus passes on his heart, his missionary heart, his care to find his lost sheep to us, his found sheep. He passes on his heart and his mission for them. Do you hear that in what he says? It's not just a mission, but it's his heart too. He says, I have other sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them. Also. So whenever he says to us, go and make disciples, it's not just something that Christians can know and then feel bad about because we're not doing it, right? If you announce to a church, hey, the next three weeks we're going to preach about uh, prayer and evangelism, man, you're going to be way low on those weeks because we all feel guilty about both of those things. It's not something to feel guilty about. It's something that we should share his heart for, It's not just something we should say, hey, man, I know I should be doing that. I know I should be going. I know I should be making disciples. I'm not doing it because I'm either afraid or I'm intimidated or, man, I'm concerned about what people are going to think about me. Or, man, I don't even know how to do it. Like, whatever it is, that all those different thoughts that go through our mind, that's uncomfortable for me. I, I know that means I have to live differently than I'm living now. All those thoughts that run through our head, it's not just something that he says to do that we should feel bad about. It's something that he is giving us and he's passing on his heart For as well i have other sheep who are not of this fold they're not here in the safety of this flock they must be brought in i must bring them in also but what does that look like for us to do that right how are we supposed to actually fulfill this mission what are we supposed to do and how are we supposed to do it uh, we're going to look at uh, today three quick things, fairly quick, three things that, that we see in John ten sixteen that Jesus did that he's calling us to do as well. And we're going to hopefully see over this week and next week how can doxa and how can each of us individually be participating in those things that Jesus calls us to do. So three things we're to look at. First of all, Jesus went and he calls the church to go. He calls the church to go. The church is to go. Secondly, Jesus calls the lost sheep and he, the church is supposed to call them as well. And thirdly, Jesus said, I'm gonna bring the lost sheep home and the church should be bringing them home as well. The church goes, the church calls, and the church brings home. The church goes, the church calls and the church brings home. Jesus said, I have other sheep who are not of this fold and I must bring them also. Then he passed that same mission on to us. And we, so so we're we're sitting around saying, all right, now I'm kind of following you, Randy. I know that I should have his heart. Uh, Maybe I don't yet, but man, that's something I can pray about. Uh, And that is something I would say, first of all, before we even go anywhere else, like, Jesus is not only passing on his mission, he's passing on his heart for those lost sheep to us. And if you and I are sitting here today and and we're honest with ourselves and say, you know what, if I'm really, really honest with you, Randy, if I'm honest with myself, I know I do not care about Jesus's mission. I know I do not care about his lost sheep. I care about a million things before I care about that. And I theoretically want somebody to go, and that's why I'm paying you, so you can go and do it. That's why we have Billy Graham, and we have some people, we have those radio stations or whatever, that, thing, that missionary and, that I give to, I want them to go while I do my thing here, and I don't really care about it. A great place for us to start is just to own that personally, and personally come before the Lord and say, and spend some time, some days, some weeks, just daily saying, God, I am being honest with you. I do not care about your mission. I do not have a heart for your lost sheep the way that I know that I should. The way that you have a heart for them, would you help me? Would you help change my heart? I promise you this if you're a believer and you pray that prayer for any certain amount of time, I promise you that you will begin to care about Jesus' lost sheep more than you do now. And if you do, all of a sudden, over time, you will start to see, all of a sudden, over time, that's a contradiction, over time, and all of a sudden, at some point, you will see, hey, there are great areas of my life that aren't lining up with this mission, and you'll start to see, this is what I need to change in order to line up with God's mission, with Jesus' mission for his lost sheep. That's a great place to start, and that's where I think most of us in this room, if we're honest, we really don't care the way Jesus cares. That should hurt us a little bit. And we should begin an a season of time where just we pray, God, help me to care about your lost sheep the way that you do. But then how do we do this? Like whenever we start to really care, we're saying, all right, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you, I want to go. He said, Go into all the world. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations. Go into all the world, he said. So how do we do that? So let's look at a quick example here of What that looks like when Jesus actually sent some people. So we have a story in Mark 6, verse 7 through 13, where Jesus turns and he's been ministering. He's been going. He came and he's been proclaiming the gospel. He's been uh, healing and doing amazing things. And now he turns to his 12 closest disciples, the 12 apostles, and he sends them out. So hear this. If you have your Bible, you can turn there, Mark 6 seven through 13. If not, you can just sit back and listen to my melodious voice as I read it to you. And he, that's Jesus, called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over... Hear, that? hear how it sounds a little bit similar then to the Great Commission whenever he, he left? He gave them authority, and then what did he say to them before he ascended? He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so therefore, Go. So he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. So he's not sending them with much. And he said to them, And that's interesting. Let's pause here a quick moment. He sent them with very little, but the reason it tells us he sent them with very little is because it's not because they they didn't have any of those things. He purposely sent them without them in order that they would know that they had to rely upon his authority and his power and not their own ability, their intelligence, their power. And that should be great news for all of us because there are many, like, look, I have... There's some of you guys and gals that are incredibly gifted in lots of ways. I am not one of you guys. I have very little, very few giftings and abilities. And so this is incredibly encouraging to me when he said to go, that he sent the apostles with very little so they would know you can only rely upon his strength and his power and his providence. Verse 10, and he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. This story is very similar to a story in Luke 10 where Jesus sent out not just the 12, but he sent out 72 in very similar circumstances with very similar instructions, with very similar results. In fact, when it says that when they came back to Jesus, they came back with great joy afterwards because of all that they had seen happen. So let's Take some lessons from this. When Jesus sends people out, what is what is involved in that? First of all, Jesus sends us out because He came. The church goes because Jesus came. This is where we get the heart for the mission. Here, it's the restless mission of God. Jesus called us to share in His restless mission, and we go out of the fold. We're motivated to go out of the fold to go out to where the lost sheep are because. and when we remember that Jesus came for us. You you know why many of us really don't care about going out to Jesus' lost sheep and calling them and bringing them home? We don't care because we've forgotten. You've been a believer long enough that you've forgotten what it was like to be outside. You've forgotten what it's like to be looking for hope, to be looking for answers, to be trying to find your way, find salvation and help and rescue in something, knowing that something about life is broken and trying to find something that will fill up that hole of brokenness and never finding anything and feeling hopeless and helpless and lost outside. And even if you never felt that way of being lost and hopeless and helpless and being destined for eternity apart from Christ apart from God, separated from the one who you were created by and who you were created for. We've forgotten what it was like. And we forgot that Jesus left heaven to bring us to himself. And for each person in this room, because nobody in this person did Jesus bodily personally come to to bring you to himself. He sent somebody for you, didn't he? Somebody cared enough to go to you and bring you in. And we forget. We forget what it was like. Maybe it was your grandmother who prayed over you for weeks and months and years. And finally you came. Maybe it was a friend who shared with you over and over and over again. And you put them off, put them off, and put them off until finally one day it made sense. Maybe it was a church that put up with you and cared for you and brought you in whenever you were a, a cynic, whenever you were a doubter, whenever you were always like kind of throwing stones at Jesus and the gospel, but for some reason you kept hanging around until one day, maybe you're sitting in a seat like you are today, it made sense and you came, you were brought by Jesus to the Father. But he uses people and we forgot. We forget That Jesus came for us and that he sent somebody or many people for most of us to us. And we remember that, all of a sudden it starts to stir our heart. It stirs our heart because we begin to care about what Jesus cares about, but we also see the people around us and we care for them. We see them. Are you, when you look at your neighbor, are you jealous because their house is bigger or their car is nicer? Or do you care about them? Are you motivated and stirred because you see they are somebody who is outside the fold? When you see somebody at the store, when you, someone cuts in front of you in 501 traffic, do you see them as a bother or a pain to you? Or do you see them as someone who is out, possibly outside the fold? Of the fall. When someone, it starts to, you know, those moments where, like, you're in the grocery store and you're like, man, I just want to get in and out of here as fast as I possibly can to get home and do whatever I want to do. And you see that person that you kind of know, and you don't have the opportunity to turn around and act like you didn't see them. We have all done that. Let's just own it. And on the, By the yogurt case, they see you and they start talking to you. And all of a sudden, you do not desire to have a conversation. All of a sudden, they start to share with you what is hard and what has been going on in their life since the last time you saw them. Do you see that? Do we see that as a bother, as a pain, as as an impediment to me getting home and doing what I want to do? Or do I see them as a sheep who is outside the fold who's sharing with you and giving you an open door to share with them how the shepherd the good and noble and great shepherd came and found you came and found me the church goes because jesus came and then we see that the church exists for the sheep that are still lost jesus sends the believers, the disciples out here, just as we see him send us out in the great commission and that he's telling us, this is what you exist for. This is what the church exists for. The church exists for the sheep that are still lost and outside of the fold. Doxa Church exists not so we can come in here and sing happy songs and hear some guy talk or have a community group I'm comfortable with or have a place my children like to go to on Sundays. Doxa Church exists for the sheep that are still outside of the fold. That's our mission statement. Doxa Church exists to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. That's, in fact, that's just restating Jesus' great commission go, therefore, and make disciples. Of all nations. That means the church exists for the for the lost sheep who are outside the fold in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces right here in the Grand Strand, and those who are lost outside of the, of the flock abroad, in the United States and across Sees. like we should be motivated and moved, not just for the lost sheep who are here in Myrtle Beach, but for the lost sheep who are in Asia and Africa and South America, the lost sheep who are scattered abroad in many unreached people groups who do not have an a authentic witness to the gospel in their language and in their culture. We should care about that, we exist for that. And look at how he sent them. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. The wording there is not a wording of comfortability, is it? Like, that's not popular to read in the American church. Like, hey, here's what Jesus is doing. He's calling us to go to live a life on mission, and that will often be uncomfortable. It will often be that you, that we live at a lower standard than we could live at because we are leveraging our time and our resources and our talents for the mission of God around us. But here's the question, and you might have heard this example before. And if you have many times, then forgive me, but it's I think it's a great, uh, a great analogy, a great illustration. Do we think of the church as a cruise ship, or do we think of the church as an aircraft carrier? Like as a, a cruise ship, whenever you're going on a cruise, you're picking the most luxurious, well-appointed ship and the most luxurious, well-appointed cabin that you can possibly afford, right? And you're looking for all the amenities that you can get for the amount of money that you have to spend. And whenever you find that ship that you want it to, to like you're paying money into the ship, you want it to fulfill all your dreams of what your dream vacation can be. And many of us approach church that way hey, what do you have to offer me as a church? What do you have to offer me and my family? But what we're reading here in the Great Commission in John 10, there are sheep who are not of this fold, I must bring them in. And here, as he is sending out these, uh, these 12, these disciples on his mission, what we're reading is that Jesus views the church more like an aircraft carrier than a cruise ship. An aircraft carrier is a, incredibly safe mobile command center. And even then, the crew and the fighter pilots and everyone who supports everything that happens that live on that ship, they do not support that ship alone. They're there so that the ship would have a reach beyond itself. It's sending fighter jets abroad to cover a larger area. It is mobile, it is safe, it's a command center, it houses the crews, it fuels the fighters, it repairs the damage, but the purpose is to send them out, and that's what the church is to be. We're an aircraft carrier, but then on Sunday, what happens at the end when we say, you know, go in peace, and you guys might have a coffee or Talk to somebody for a few minutes. You might help tear down. And then what happens to all of us? We scatter all over the Myrtle Beach area, don't we? Instead of viewing it as like, hey, this is where we come and this is church, we should view this is where we come to get fueled up. This is where we come to get repaired. This is where we come to get ready. And then Jesus sends us out as like these fighter jets, if you will. He scatters us all over the Grand Strand to take his gospel, his good news, to the places that I will never, you get to take it where I would never go, and I get to take it where you would never go. In the spheres of influence that each of us have, your neighborhood, your apartment building, your school, your workplace, your friends, your family, are are places that I will never get to, and they may never come here, but we go to them every day, right? Right? And we should view our life as a life of going. A a, a lot of uh, scholars think that a good reading, and they they can debate this, but uh, they think a good reading of the Great Commission would be not just to go, but it says, as you go, make disciples. You know what that means? That means that as you and I go, in our daily life, we should be going with intentionality to make disciples. It's what the early disciples did. Here's an interesting thing that happened. The apostles spent most of their time early on in Jerusalem, and then whenever they finally started to be scattered abroad, they would come up into a city and they would sometimes they would find no believers there, but oftentimes they would already find some believers there in that city. Now, how did they get there? They got there because not because Peter had gotten there, they got there, those believers in these different cities all around the Roman Empire because as these merchants, as these families went about their life, as they traveled for business or they went back home or they went to their families or visited whoever, they took the gospel with them where they went and people heard and they believed and they left believers there. That's what you and I are called to do as we go to make disciples in each of our spheres of influence. But here's the thing that's always happened. Believers who have always supposed to have our head Focused and looking outside, the church exists for the sheep who have not, who are still lost. And we've always felt this pull to turn back inside, to become inward-focused. God called the Israel to be a light to the nations around, and they became prideful and inward-focused. And it's been a tendency for all believers ever since. Ever since we forget that the church exists for those who are still lost, we begin to think like it's here to serve me, or it's here to sing some songs and hear somebody talk, and I decide like that's good or not good. To week and we go home. We ha- But we have to fight that tendency. And that happens as we renew our vision with Jesus' heart, that thing that we've been talking about, God, give me your care and your love for your lost sheep so that as I go, I go to make disciples. And if we're going to do that, there's some things that we must do. First of all, we must be focused outward. We must stay focused outward. There, there are many of us in this room. Not all of us, but there are many of us who have very few relationships with people who don't, who are not in the, inside the flock. Most of all of your friends are Christians, and you listen to Christian radio, and you watch Christian movies, or whatever it is that you that you do. And you're sort of surrounded inside this Christian bubble, and you're safe, and it's nice, and it's fun, and it's always comfortable. But are you going? out to where they were? Are you focused outside to see? Where, and th- here's how you're focused outside. You're, you're focused, first of all, by saying, Jesus, let me see where you are at work in the people's lives around me and let me join you there. And that will oftentimes be, mean seeing like, hey, you see a, a, someone who's at work or a neighbor who for some reason like, man, they always wanna talk with you. They start to share about their life with you. They open up with you. They want to hang out with you. And what we see there is that God's moving already on that person's heart to tie them to us. When it, Jesus said, whenever, he, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, will not listen to you. When you leave, shake off the dust. And in, in Luke 10, he's talking about you go to a city and you find a person of peace. And that's what he's talking about. He says, you go and you look around and you say, God, where around me, what kind of relationships are around me? Have you sort of like brought them to me and there's an opening there? And am I just viewing this person as a friend or a bother? Am I actually seeing like, this is a person, maybe the Lord is working in their life and he's calling me to go to them and to share the gospel with them. It means we must be focused outward and also means we must be intentional in our mundane, everyday lives. I think most of us, we're just trying to get through the day, but are we actually being intentional, saying, God, as I go today, would you use me? As I go today, would you bring about relation, conversations with people that I did not anticipate? Would we, would we start to have to view our mundane, everyday lives as an adventure, saying, God, would you show me today where you are at work, and would you fill my mouth with the words that I need to say, in that moment. It'd be exciting like the disciples who left with nothing in except a staff and a trust that God had given them authority and had given them message and that he would work through that. We have to turn our everyday lives into going. Not just like I'm working or I'm doing this today or I'm taking care of the kids or whatever, I'm taking the kids to dance or you know, music practice or soccer, but I view those things as, that I'm doing as going. As I go today, God, would you help me to make disciples? Would you help me to view this as a going as I go? And for a lot of us, it means that we, we have to act intentionally make margin or, or, or enough elbow space in our lives that we can actually like, invest in God's mission around us. Have you allowed, or do you allow, time in your schedule and and elbow room in your finances so that if you see a place where God is at work around you, you actually have the ability to engage in his mission? Or is your time always so strapped, and are your finances always so strapped, that if something came up, you actually could not help somebody around you? And that means making some sacrifice. It means not doing some things that we would otherwise do with both our time and our finances. It means that we have to pray for our neighbors and for the nations. Do you and your friends, do you and your spouse, do you and your family ever stop and pray for your neighbors? Pray for your family members who are not believers. Do you together pray for them and ask that God would move? Because I think two, two things happen as we pray. God moves in response to our prayer in ways that we cannot understand, but also as we pray, God moves our hearts. And all of a sudden, as we pray, God moves our heart to care more and more. And all of a sudden, we will see where He is at work around us in ways that we've never seen before. Quickly, let's move on. The church has to go, and the church has to call. Now, do you notice what Jesus gave the disciples when He first sent them out? When He sent them out in this mess, in this uh, passage. He gave him authority and apparently he gave them a message because we see that he, they, they in verse 12 that they proclaim that people should repent but he didn't give them anything else all he tangibly gave them was the message because his authority is kind of intangible right like he didn't give them like a signed paper saying the god of all creation has sent this person out do whatever they say to do all they had was, all they could tangibly had was his message, and that's all that he gives us in regards to his mission, is his message. And the message is twofold, we see it here. Uh, first of all, it's repent. People should repent. They went out and proclaimed that people should repent. That's the first part of the gospel. The first part of the gospel, we say it here all the time, the first part of the gospel is that you are far worse off than you ever thought that you were. That's the message to our friends and neighbors and family. That no matter how in your worst moment, how, far, how bad off you think you may be, you are worse off than that because as a sinner who is born a sinner and who is constantly choosing ways to sin against God, you are under the wrath of God. So therefore we have to repent. And the good news is that there's a, capability to repent, and that you are far more loved than you ever dared to dream. That's the believe part. We're called to call people to repent and to believe. You're far worse off than you ever thought you were, so you need to repent. But yet Jesus came, whenever you were unloved, he came for you to bring you to God, and that you should believe and trust in him. That's incredibly good news. But notice also what we see in this passage, that not everybody who we call, who we share the gospel with, we go to them and we share the, God's message to them, but not everybody will respond well, right? But he, he tells us in this passage and in other places that not only will they not respond well, they're actually going to not like you because of the message. They will reject you because of the message. They will not want anything to do with you because of the message. They will consider you their enemy because of the message. And that is sad and scary and disconcerting, right? But yet he says that some people will. He said, I must bring them also and they will what? They will listen to my voice. We go and we call people to repent and believe in Jesus and that's all that we can do, this all he has given us is the only like, weapon, the only thing that he's put into our hands. And what he is saying is if you go empty handed with only the message to your neighbor, to your friend, to your family member, and you share with them, they may believe or they may not believe that God will cause them to believe. It's in God's hand to do anything. It, and this should be encouraging. It's not in your ability to share it in a cool way. It's not in your ability to be a great communicator. It is in God's ability to call them as you are sharing with them. In our weakness, it's his authority and his message. He said in John 5 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. The people around us who are outside, they're not just outside the fold. They are dead in their trespasses and and sins, Scripture tells us. But he says incredibly that there will be those who are dead who will hear. And not only will they, when when they hear, what will happen? They will live. Their life will be given to them. The dead who are around us, who are in our family, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our school, they will hear and they will believe and they will live. Our power isn't in the way that we share the message. The only authority and the power that we have is that he will call them as we share the message that he gives us. And on your way out today, I'll share this. We have these cards back in the back and on the connect table. It's just a simple thing. You can put it up by your bathroom mirror or on your a refrigerator, like how do I call the people around them? How do I call them to Christ? We have the thing here like on the bottom it says build a culture of invitation. It means, hey, the, the an easy way in or easy way to start a conversation with a neighbor or a friend or family member is to invite them to church. And if you see an open door there, then like, look, it's not just, that's not the end all. Then if they're open, even if they don't come, but they say, hey, I'd be interested in that, like, That may give you an opportunity to then share your story. This is how the shepherd came and found me. And then if something is there, they wanna know more about that, then you get to share the gospel with them. Invite them, share your story, share your gospel. uh, Share the gospel. And and there's a a space on the back of this with, with three lines and write down three family members, neighbors, friends, That you think, maybe, God, I'm going to pray for them that you'd give me the opportunity to do this with them. To invite them to share my story, to share the gospel. And pray that you would call them to yourself. Lastly and quickly, the church goes because Jesus went. The church calls because Jesus has called them. They will listen to my voice. And the church brings them home. We go with very little in our hands. We see that with the disciples here, right? And they literally left with nothing in their hands but the gospel and the authority that God had given them. And we go with very little assurance that we can do anything. And whenever you look at some of your family members and neighbors' lives, doesn't it feel like, man, I just don't know. They seem so far from God, so far from church, so far from Christ. There is really, I feel no hope that anything will happen there. Why can we go and still go to them and call them to Christ with any sort of, how can we do that? Because Jesus tells us that he knows his own and that they are his even when they're still outside the fold. He told us in that in John 10, right? They're mine, I know them and they know me. Just the Father knows me, I know them. John 6, 3, 7, Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. In Acts 18, 9 through 10, God told Paul, I have many people in this city who are my people and they were were still outside of the church, outside of the fold. God, Jesus knows his own, even when they're still outside. So what do we get to do? We go to them. We call them home with the gospel. And then we get to watch as God changes their hearts and we get to be a part of bringing them home. Scripture tells us that heaven celebrates more over one lost that is found than 99 who are safe. Heaven celebrates more. When Christ brings one of his lost sheep home, and don't we want to be a part of that? When the, when the disciples returned here, we can imagine, but we know when they came in Luke 10, when they came back to Jesus, it says they came with great joy no matter what it costs you, no matter what sacrifice it costs us as a church, no matter what it costs you in your personal life, whenever you are a part of of going and calling and and one of God's lost sheep comes home because you went and you called, that brings incredibly great joy because the mission is urgent. Because the mission is fueled by Christ's love for them and it's the reason that the church exists, to call his lost sheep home. We are not a cruise ship. We are people who are sent by Jesus on his mission. So if if he is sending us, then let's go, let's call them home with confidence, and then let's have great, incredible joy as we bring them in, back home to their father. Let's go. Let's call them. and Let's bring them home. Let's make that our unending, our restless mission as a church. And let's make that our rest, the restless mission of each of us in our lives. By God's grace, let's do that. I'm gonna pray for us, and as the band comes up, we're gonna open up the front for communion we are going to be two stations, one on each side. There'll be a basket with a cracker and then the cup. You take the cracker, you dip it in the juice. It's open to everyone who's a believer in Christ. Uh, But here's here's what I ask you, two things. First of all, if you're here today and you've never responded to the shepherd's call to come home, I pray that you would hear that echo this morning in your heart and your soul. And you would see that you are outside of his fold. And you would see all that he has done for you when you would come home to him today. That you would repent and believe and trust in him alone as your salvation. If that's you, we would love to talk with you and pray with you. And maybe somebody brought you here this morning or maybe you're, you're here with them, turn to them and ask them during communion time or, or come to somebody back in the back or in the prayer area or me, I'll be up front. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Secondly, for all of us who are believers, whether you call Docs to home or not, but especially if you call Docs home, we need to home, we need to ask God, God, would you turn our hearts to care about your lost sheep the way that you care about them? And would you help us to, as we go, to, to go with intentionality? Would you help us to go and call your lost sheep home? And would you, would you grant a harvest that we would bring them home to this fold, to you, and there would be great celebration in our church, not because we just grow in numbers, because we see those who are dead come alive and those who are lost become found. And as I come to the table this morning, I come knowing that I have been found, that you came from me, and I'm celebrating that, and I'm asking God, would you send me now as a found sheep to go and find the others? Let's pray. Father, we were lost, we were away, we were separated, and you came for us. And now you call us to go. So Father, I pray that you would turn our hearts to you, that you would help us to care about your mission, that you would help us to care about those lost sheep, that we would picture their faces in our minds right now, our neighbors and our friends, our family members who are far from you, who are outside, that you would stir our hearts and affections to to care for them the way that you care about them. God, would you cause us to shed tears that we have been found when we had nothing going for us? And would you cause us to shed tears that they are outside? And would you give us the motivation and the energy and the power that we don't have on our own to go to them and to call your lost sheep back home? Would you do that, Lord? Would you not help us not to leave it for somebody else to do, but to take that on ourselves. God, send us. We echo the the call, the response of every one of your servants throughout history who you've called and who've responded and said, here I am, send me. Send us, Lord. Send us with your heart. Send us with your authority. Send us with your message and help us to come back with somebody standing beside us. let there be great joy as your lost sheep come home. God, help that to be our mission. Help that to be the reason that we exist and not to accept any lesser life than that. As in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As you see fit, come forward.